Hello there, and welcome to Not The Farmer's Wife podcast. I'm CJ Steedman, and I'm definitely not the farmer's wife. I am a mum, a partner, a full-time off-farm worker, and enthusiastically a lady farmer. On our farm, Mojo Homestead, we grow chickens, goats, cows, and bees. We practice regenerative agriculture and holistic management. If, like me, you love all things farming and homesteading, and if you'd like to learn from the female farmer's perspective, then I'd love to have you along for the ride. So let's get farming. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Not The Farmer's Wife. I'm CJ, if we haven't met before, I'm Not The Farmer's Wife, I'm The Farmer. Uh, and I hope you all enjoyed my interview last week with uh, the Handy Helper. He was a bit chuffed about the whole thing when he listened back to some of it. He was pretty happy with uh, with how everything kind of panned out. Uh, but so this week, I have had a bit of an epiphany. I've actually, uh, for those that don't know, I am a police officer, law enforcement, and I have PTSD as a result of my law enforcement years, which are over 20 um and i had been in remission from my ptsd so for those people that say you can't be in remission you absolutely can be because i was in remission for two years i was getting full night's sleep and couldn't believe myself and uh, i am now not in remission again but i'm in the process of getting the treatment started so uh, we're at a point where it will go back into remission but uh, because of that i've had a bit of time sitting at home while i've been undergoing my treatment and I thought I need to plan better for the farm. And given I had the time sitting at home, I thought, well, now's now or never. So I have planned out the next 12 months worth of podcasts, blog posts, things that I'm going to be doing within the business and helping spread you know, information about homesteading and small farming. So July has become finance month <laughs> which is probably really boring to some of you but in my very prior life so before I was law enforcement um, I was actually training to be an accountant and I never got my full qualifications but I worked as a um, debt collector I worked as a sheriff in Papua New Guinea uh, briefly doing debt collection um, and yeah I enjoyed I, I've always enjoyed numbers I'm good at numbers so I it makes it easy, uh, but I didn't want to be an accountant for the rest of my life. <laughs> that having been said, I am a little bit of a budgeting freak. So, sorry, handy helper, he cops it because he's not a budgeting freak. Uh, so, this week I want to talk to you about financial planning for your homestead. So, not just in relation to backyard chickens or milking goats or beekeeping or craft stuff, but in relation to the overall homestead and what you need to do to make sure that you've got everything. Sorry, having a little slope in my tea because I'm still a bit croaky from my chest infection that I had a few weeks back. So the first thing I want to talk about is actually creating the budget. Now, you know, to me, I'm going to say this a million times through this podcast, know your numbers. Uh, knowing your numbers makes a huge difference when you need to to fix things or plan for things knowing your numbers will change everything and I, I do get surprised sometimes at the number of people that when I'm talking to them uh, they probably don't even know how much they pay for their mortgage each fortnight um, it just comes out automatically and they don't really think about it same with their insurances um, I, I'm a 
bit of a control freak on numbers so I need to know what my numbers are and at any point in time I can tell you what my mortgage is outstanding how much it is per fortnight um, you know, when the next one's coming out uh, if we're ahead by how much if we're behind what's happening yeah so you need to know all of your expenses and that can include things like animal feed seeds plants equipment utilities don't leave anything off the list write everything down including how much your household expenses are uh, homesteading is very different to other businesses in that all of your costs and cover all of the homestead so if you've got costs for say we saved up to get a new water tank so we have a hundred and ten thousand litre water tank that was a household cost um, yes it's a homestead cost but it was for our household so that we had enough water um, some of the other expenses that you need to make sure that you list down that you need to think think and plan for are reoccurring costs like veterinary care <laughs> and maintenance and supplies um, at the present time we're currently spending about $200 a fortnight just at the stock feed store and that covers chicken goat and dog feed um, our horses are currently so fat and have so much lush grass that we have maybe been tossing them the occasional biscuit of hay but we haven't been hand feeding them we don't hand feed the angoras and our potty calves are seven oh shit almost 10 months old and they're exclusively on grass now again they sometimes get a biscuit of hay but not a lot uh, one cost that can really kill you on a homestead pretty quickly is animal health <laughs> and that includes obviously vet trips vaccinations but preventative care as well so say getting the horse's teeth done or um, you know worming and um, parasite control things like that um, last year we had a bit of a shocker and we had a bit of a joke running that we couldn't get out of a vet visit under $2,000. And yes, you heard that right, $2,000. Um, we had a goat with mastitis who we unfortunately lost. We had two goats that we lost to, um, we believe, um, death cat mushrooms that were growing in the, in the paddock. Um, it was, yeah, it was horrendous. <laughs> we just had a real shocker of a year with vet bills. Anyway we're past that now where won't be happening again we're a bit more you know well can't say it won't happen again and this is the problem you need to cater for everything because you could find um you know in two months time where we've got kidding season starting in a month month and a half two months two months time our angoras will start kidding and who's not to say that we're not going to have a problem i mean you can't predict how animals will behave um but but Think about when you're working out all these costs, think about budget-friendly ways um, that you can have livestock. Um, and, you know, anybody that's owned a horse will know <laughs> horse ownership is the equivalent of poverty for life. Um, but there are ways that you can do it. We um, make sure that we have really good pastures because we, we um, do pasture rotation. So pastures get a break from the horses, cows and angora goats before we move them back onto fresh pasture. So that means that we don't have to feed them as much. Our um, shelter costs for our livestock, the handy helper, thank goodness, uh, is more than capable of sticking a couple of poles in the ground and sticking some old corrugated iron that we have bucket loads here, but we also pick up whenever we can see it. You know, whenever anybody's getting rid of any, we'll grab old pieces of corrugate, knowing that we'll use them for livestock shelters. And that absolutely will bring costs down. Um, so again, 
sit down, write out what it's going to cost you. If you don't know, hit me up, send me a DM and I'll, I'll go through it with you. But go to your local livestock um, uh, feed, stock feed store and go in and say, how much is a bag of chicken feed? You know, we go through five bags of chicken feed a week, but we've got roosters that we're fattening up at the moment and we've got our 30 layers. So, and we're, oh, sorry, we've got 35 layers because we think all of our baby chicks that we had a couple of months ago are girls. Yay, another five, well, another four plus mum back into the mix shortly uh, as soon as they're ready to move out of the brooder house. So five bags of feed for 35 layers plus 10 roosters that were still fattening up that were excess um that's it's not so bad when you look at it that way um one of the things that you probably need to do when you are getting ready to set a budget is start setting some goals and priorities for what you want for your homestead so being able to identify short and long-term goals you know do, do you want to build a new barn do you need to build a milking shed um do you need new fencing done? Do you need an extra dam to cover, you know, a couple of paddocks? They're all things that we need to consider. Um, <clears throat> and are you are you homesteading just to save money on living expenses so that you're not spending as much at the supermarket, or is your intention to go into a bit of a side hustle or a biz or a full time business even? Um, do you have a mortgage? Are you is your one of your long term goals to to not have a mortgage? Uh, you might still be living in an urban environment and wanting to start urban homesteading before you decide whether rural homesteading is for you. Um, you might be looking to buy a property, so your finances could be completely up in the air. But I would hope if you're at that point, if you're looking for land, um, you would know your numbers anyway. Uh, now, once you start, as I said, it could be a part time hustle. But you might want to go full time. Are there going to be two off farm incomes coming into the property, or uh, you know, one of you going to stay at home and be a full time homesteader while the other one goes to work? That's something you need to consider. Um, prioritize your budget. I can't say this enough. Prioritize your budget based on income in versus income out. And I will keep saying, know your numbers. <laughs> If you know that you have set expenses like mortgages, car insurance, um, school fees, I'm still paying one child is still in private school because I didn't want to take him out of primary school uh, until he finishes year six. I want to leave him at the same school so that both kids have done their entire primary schooling at the one school. We started my daughter in a private high school. It was not worth the money. We very rapidly made that decision and I spoke to my ex about it. We pulled her out of the private school at the end of year seven and she's now in a public school that costs us very little. And honestly, she's doing so great. It's She's got a really good bunch of friends and private schools, they might be worth it in some cases, but not always. You have to reassess. Um, so also too, when you're thinking about your goals and priorities, once you know your numbers and everything, um, if you don't already have land, are you looking for land? Are you going to start urban homesteading first and then at the same time be looking for land? Because then you'll have to consider deposits. And let me tell you, rural properties, you have to have, I think it's 30%. I could have that wrong now, but I'm pretty sure it's 30% you've got to have. Um, so it's not like buying a house where you can get away with in some states of Australia, um, five or ten percent and I think over in the US they some places have zero deposit loans which just does my head in that you've 
you know you've borrowed for the entirety of the house value uh, but yeah so yeah you need to think about that, that that you might need to have a bigger deposit or you might need to do bridging finance which is what we did to get to the big farm where we hadn't sold the old house before we moved to the big farm and so I think at one point I was a reverse millionaire I had $998,000 in loans um and believe me it was a really scary five months until that until the first until the small farm sold oh my god I don't think I slept very well anyway so the next one you need to think about is tracking and adjusting your budget it's no good having a budget and then you know six months down the track you're thinking god we're not putting enough money away or I, I need to put more money away for these bigger purchases and long-term things and then you look at your budget and go oh oh I, I forgot we've we've started paying this and you might be a new car loan or you might have had to you know, pay for private school fees you might have been paying for something and not getting not adapting your budget to that extra um, expense so I keep I'm I love the the systems where it drops down straight from your bank account into an app um, I think like zero and mind your own business and stuff like that but I'm actually terrible at using them <clears throat> I'm really an old-school kind of gal and like my spreadsheets and my Google Sheets versions um, to keep records I like manual records I like to have a look at my bank statement and go, all right, that's my stock feed costs. All right, that's my insurance costs. Okay, that's how much we've spent in petrol this month. Uh, there's school fees there. You know, there's clothing costs there. I prefer to do it that way. I think it sets in my head how much I'm spending and I become much more aware of my budget when I have to do it that way. Um, but don't just track it. You need to track it, monitor the performance, monitor and adjust as you go. And, you know, with our little homesteading things we do, we have to be really a bit cutthroat. If you're making your own soap, which I'm about to start making my own soap again, I had to get a new set of scales because my old scales died and I needed very accurate scales for soap making. Uh, so if you're making your own soap, if you sit down and work out your costs and it's costing you $10 a bar, I'm going to say, mm, sorry, slurp of tea. I'm going to say that a $10 bar of soap is probably not worth it. It kind of goes back to that joke of, um, you know, gardeners when they say they, <laughs> they grow tomatoes that cost more than the store-bought ones. That having been said, there are some things that I really think are worth the homegrown version. So, for example, our pastured meat birds, um, when we the first time we had one of our pastured meat birds for dinner, uh, we all sat down and went, oh my God, that tastes so good. It it probably cost us $7 to get that chook. Now, I think you can, I, I actually can't remember, I haven't looked recently at what a whole chicken costs. I think it's like $3 a kilo, which this was probably a three and a half kilo bird. So what's that, $9 something? It would have been under 10. So for $7, but then, you know, factor in a little bit of labor that probably hasn't been accounted for it, you know was it worth it absolutely it was worth it I, you know it's seven dollars a bird when it tastes so much better it, you can't compare it to store-bought I mean it, I know what's in it I know the life it had I know that it hasn't been filled up with you know medications and things like that uh, that being said I do give my birds medicated chick starter I know people freak out about that but uh I just I still can't find a better way so 
so track track and adjust your budget as you go but just remember to be realistic about your figures you know if if keeping a milking goat is costing you a small fortune and you're not drinking all the milk or your family doesn't like it or you've made cheese and and the kids don't want to eat it they don't like the taste of it then is it really worth it um, it might not be your money might be better spent getting a small house cow you know because not everybody likes goat's milk i mean we can't tell the difference now because we've been drinking it so long but not everybody does so really adjust your budget and go is that working for me if that's not working for me what else do i need to do um, the next thing that i'm going to be looking at in my finance month planning is savings and investing strategies now i think this is something that a lot of us are very poor at doing and i i am will be the first to admit i am a huge barefoot investor fan uh, so for my american friends the barefoot investor i think is like there's a gentleman that you've got over there um ramsey dave ramsey i think it is um i think the barefoot investor which is scott pape he's very very similar to dave ramsey i think in how he does things so he is very big on cutting down your debt reducing as much debt as possible pumping your mortgage full and once your mortgage gets down to a certain amount, then starting to get an investment system in place where you are putting a set amount, I think they call it dollar cost averaging, where you put a set amount each uh, week or fortnight, depending on how you paid, um, into an investment type scenario. Now, I should clarify all this by the fact that I am not a financial planner. I'm not a financial advisor. Do your own research when it comes to saving and investing strategies. But for me, I have got shares. I've I've put money away into shares over the time and uh, not a huge amount. I did have a big portfolio, but I actually closed that down in order to buy um, a, a house. Um, so having shares and having um, long-term investments. Also, think about your superannuation. Um, if you're a homesteader and you're not working off-farm, then your superannuation is 100% your responsibility and I can't highly enough speak of the Barefoot Investor books where he goes through and shows you how to pick a good superannuation plan um, because if it is your responsibility you don't have to pick one that your employer wants you can pick anyone um, and I think for the US guys when I talk about superannuation plans I believe you guys call it a 401k fund which is just your money that you put away you know, on a regular basis where you're working through your working life so that when you do retire, you have a lump sum. Um, but diversifying your investments is, again, and I'm not a financial advisor, but I think I don't think anybody would argue that you don't want to have all your eggs in the one basket. Uh, the best thing you can do is diversify where you are putting your investments so that if something does crash, because, I mean, we've I've lived through a couple of share market crashes. There was one in the 80s. And uh, for those people complaining about the cost of living now, um, I think credit card, credit cards, no, home loans were at 17%. 17% interest. It was bloody insane. Anyway, not comparing because I think the cost of living has definitely gone up now and it's getting absolutely ridiculous hence why I am so passionate about homesteading because I, I'm sick of having to go to the supermarket and buy shit that I can grow or make myself um, but don't have all your eggs in the one basket have some in shares have some in long-term you know um, money plans 
even that being said, I've dabbled in cryptocurrencies, which a couple of people that I used to work with have laughed at me and gone, what the fuck, why would you go into crypto? But I actually had pretty good success with it. I've still got some money sitting in, in Bitcoin um, and Ethereum. So yeah, you know, it's to each his own. Do your homework. Don't be misled by anybody that tells you you're going to make a quick buck. Any kind of investment plan, you're not going to make a quick buck. You leave it in there. You sit, you wait, it's a time factor. The longer it's sitting there, the more chance you have of getting a reasonable outcome. Uh, another thing that you need to think about with investing and saving strategies is estate planning. And people don't want to talk about it with farms. There's, I know there's a group here in Australia that have um, gone into it in a big way where they're um, pushing farmers to be really sensible about estate planning and what's going to happen to the farm in the event that they pass away. Um, you, you probably need to have a chat with your kids, depending on how old they are, but I've already chatted with my two. MJ has made it pretty clear that, well, she loves the farm and she'd love to come out and visit all the time, but she doesn't really want to run it. Uh, whereas OJ has said, yeah, mum, I'd consider it. I want to go and do other stuff first, but I'd absolutely come back to the farm and run it. So some kids might fight over it and all want a piece of the pie. Other kids might all walk away and go, no, nah, I want nothing to do with the farm once I'm out of here and got a job of my own. I am not coming back. Um, but I think the best thing you can do is plan now to cover everybody. So in, you may, and again, I'm not a financial planner or a legal advisor, but putting it into a trust fund is something that we've considered here with the farm uh, so that the, the farm can't be broken up as such, uh, but that it could be managed by two people, you know, realistically. Uh, but but I mean if none of your kids want it then you need to also come up with some contingency plans for what would happen in the event that you were no longer around uh, just so that you're not leaving everything to, to everybody else to sort. Uh, now the next topic I want to talk about which is probably one of the most important and I think anybody that's owned a small business and um, you know a farm and a homestead essentially it is a small business unless you're doing it 100% for your own uh, beliefs and comfort levels um, which homesteading is a very expensive hobby if that's what you're doing um, but managing seasonal variations in income and expenses uh, now anybody who's worked for themselves so uh, the local carpenter butcher shop hairdresser they have all had to manage the um, ebbs and flows of an inconsistent income and farming is absolutely, you, there's no way around it. It's the, the gold standard of, <laughs> of seasonal income. <laughs> um, crops in most areas of the world change from season to season. So you may not, depending on where you live, you may not be able to grow anything for three to four months of the year. Um, and I know in some areas of the States, they have up to six months a year of snow, like even if the snow melts, they could have another dump of snow the next day. So they really have to plan for their gardens. They have to plan for their trees. They have to plan for their livestock's um, feed uh, needs. So seasonal variations, depending on what zone you're in as far as climate, can be massive. If you're in a tropical zone where your tomatoes grow all year round, A, I fucking hate you. B, I love it. <laughs> I sometimes wish that I lived up north. Uh, I don't. I love where I am, but it's. Um, I, I like having seasonal changes, but 
it would be nice to grow all year round. And I would love to be able to grow things like avocados and turmeric and bananas and mangoes, all the things that can't grow here. Um, but what you need to do as far as your budget when you are looking at whether or not you're going to be doing this as a business or whether you're looking at doing it from the perspective of just cutting down the costs, you still need to budget for the periods of high productivity where you're getting, you know, two dozen eggs a day um, or where you're getting no eggs a day. So things like preserving food, having cool storage rooms, if you're just doing it just as a homestead and not as a business, you still need to accept the fact that your choices are you either plan and budget for having to spend more at the supermarket in the off months or that you plan enough so that you have some supplies that last you over those off months and you don't have to go to the supermarket even when that thing is not producing. Uh, and that goes for animals as well. We dry up our goats. We're um, I've got a lady that I bought our lovely buck off. She's just had all of her kidding season done and dusted and it's now, what, June, July? Um, all of her kids are done. They've all been born. Uh, we won't start kidding. Our angoras don't start kidding until late August and the milking goats don't start kidding until early September because there is no way I'm going out in minus 10 to milk a goat in the morning. <laughs> so it's a personal preference thing. I could milk them all year round. I could have kids all year round, but it, they've got to have downtime to recuperate and let their bodies recover from the process of birthing and milking. And for me, that time is from May <laughs> through to September. Uh, the girls are pregnant and getting fat and relaxing and sitting in the paddock soaking up the sun when it comes out uh, which means I get no milk so I have to buy milk or I have to have enough milk canned which I haven't done that yet but I'm going to this year canning my own milk so long life milk essentially um, so that we have milk during the off season um, so but if you are doing it as a business you have to think about the fact that you're probably not going to have money coming in so if you are selling fruit and veg down at the local farmers market um, over, su over summer you, you might have bumper crops and be selling heaps selling out every every weekend come winter you might have nothing to sell so you have to think about um, alternative sources of income so craft items like soaps and wools they can be sold year-round you could make enough soap in advance and have it stored away that you will have you know six months worth of soap um, while your goats aren't milking and you're not using their milk you know to, to make your soap uh, bees can be bunkered down but honey can still be sold because you could already have extracted it and have it sitting in your vat um, my uh, youngest laying chickens that I've just got this year um, they came to point of lay right probably oh, what was it February April March might have been March uh, which is right about the time that my older girls were all going, no, we're going through a molt and we're hibernating. We're not giving you eggs. So I've still had shit tins of eggs coming through because I've got these new girls that are in their first lay cycle that are just pumping the eggs out while all my old girls are sitting in the, in the shed going, no, I'm cold, I'm featherless, I'm molting, leave me alone, I'm not producing eggs. So you have to work out what will suit in those non-producing months um, there are other alternatives too that you need to consider uh, that 
other alternative income streams. So, and this is something that I've been looking at of late, which is things like workshops for getting people out and showing them how to do things around the farm. Uh, farm to table experiences, if you're uh, producing a lot of food um, or good quality, you know, grass fed beef or something like that, you could be doing a farm to table experience. Um, or agritourism, so having a little cabin, say, on your back paddock that's all set up on solar and off grid and everything. And, and hiring it out to people to come and stay. And you could leave, you know, a nice slab of bacon and some, some free-range eggs and some cow's milk that's all come from your farm there for them to sample while they're there. Um, that kind of thing, you know, it, there's a lot of uh, cost in setting it up, but certainly having that source of income year-round would, would be a game-changer for most homesteaders, I think. Um and the other thing I didn't mention, sorry, I nearly forgot, is don't forget that maintenance normally happens in the off-season. So I know uh, for the handy helper, a lot of his tool maintenance he will do over the winter months, uh, things like post hole diggers, rotary hoe, uh, although we're going to try and go no-till. But things like that, he will try and do the maintenance on them um, when we're not using them, which is over the winter months. Uh, the chainsaw's the only thing that... <laughs> It gets maintenance year-round, but <laughs> at the moment through the winter months, it's absolutely copying a caning because it's very chilly here. Uh, but you need to have the money to be able to do those kind of repairs. So you need to make sure that you've got a sinking fund that you've set up and you've put money aside for repairs and maintenance through the, the lush season and then you've got the money there for later on when you don't have income coming in. Uh, and that leads into investments in improvements in infrastructure and equipment. Um, big cost items like fencing, animal housing, solar panels, water tanks, garden infrastructure, all need to be planned for in advance. Uh, they're not cheap exercises, so planning ahead will save you a lot of heartache. For example, at the moment, we are in, <laughs> desperate to upgrade our solar batteries. Now, when we first moved out here uh, three years ago, it's still, I just realized it is just about three years, I think. Um, uh, we the, the solar setup was already here, but we didn't know what the life of the batteries was going to be. Now, we've had batteries die over that period of the last three years. We bought some secondhand ones as a trial. They were very cheap. They were not worth it because uh, cheap, yes. Reliable, no, definitely not. Um, so we've just bought four brand new ones, which was not a cheap exercise, let me tell you. <laughs> it's $1,000 plus worth of batteries um, but we probably need to be honest another eight batteries over the next six to twelve months um, to ensure that we don't have to use our generator we do have a backup generator that runs on fuel but we would rather not use it if we can obviously get power from the solar panels that we've already got set up um, so planning for battery replacement was something that I didn't do when we first moved in and I am doing it now we're putting aside a certain amount of money each week that would is a lot less than what we'd be paying for an electricity bill but you know 50 bucks a week aside to go yep that's going into the battery fund um, means that you know when we do buy these new batteries we're going to get well, you're supposed to get about 10 years, but even if I got five years out of them, um, it's still going to be cheaper than an electricity bill. Um, but but you need to plan for that. You need to make sure you're putting money into a sinking fund, and it just needs to be a separate bank account. You could have it set up as a mortgage offset account and just pump, you know, 20 bucks a week 
in if that's all you've got to start with 20 bucks a week's better than nothing uh and then the next one that i want to talk about um which is really the last oh second to last uh is reducing your expenses now i used to be really embarrassed to say that i was very frugal it was something that I was a little bit embarrassed about. I've had people that used to make me feel a bit bad when I would say, no, I don't need to buy a coffee out. I brought my coffee in my little thermos and I'll drink that. I don't need a shop-bought one. Um, and uh, funnily enough, it's rubbed off on my kids how frugal uh, I can be uh, because if we're at the supermarket and, you know, I'm, I'm a mum like everybody else. I let the kids have a treat every now and again. So they'll say, oh, can we get a lolly, you know, if we're at the supermarket? And I say, yeah and straight away they both run over and go remember look for the yellow tags the ones that say a dollar because she'll say yes to a dollar lolly but she won't say yes to a two dollar fifty lolly <laughs> which it's 100 true the kids know me too well but yeah i look for a bargain i'm the kind of person who has no problem at all asking for a better price for cash uh, which I know my ex used to get frustrated. In fact, two of my exes used to get frustrated that I'd do it. Luckily, the handy helper doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he just goes, if it's co costing us less money to get it, you go ahead and ask for that second price. Um, but there's also a lot of um, free groups on Facebook that have awesome tips about cost-effective gardening. Uh, seed saving is another one that I love doing. Uh, why pay for new seeds when you can use seeds you've already got? Um, composting. Um, which cuts down on your waste, but it also helps with soil. Uh, crop rotation. Uh, a lot of the Facebook groups have got those kind of things in which will help you long term. Things like crop rotation. People don't realise crop rotation and companion planting is done usually to reduce your pest control needs. Um, so, so they're a good handy little thing to know. Uh, but budgeting for garden supplies, I mean, Jesus, they can be expensive. We, the handy helper just spent $180 on an axe. But that being said, it comes with a lifetime warranty. It's a super nice axe. I've used it even, and it's awesome. So much better than what we had before. Um, so $180 for a proper axe is one thing. Um, if I was buying garden supplies that don't need to be brand new, I would be heading to your local green shed. Um, which uh, I don't know what other places call them, but here around Canberra and surrounds, they're called the Green Shed. And it's basically the local tip and they've refurbished items that they've come in. So they might've got a rake head come in and the handle's broken and they just plonk a new handle in it and sell it. Now, I'm happy to pay secondhand prices uh, for stuff that's been repurposed because to me, my you know slightly green kind of mentality um, is that we're reducing waste if we're reusing something that is quite usable you may as well um, our milking stand that we have for our milking goats uh, the handy helper was humming and hurry about how he was going to do it and I went no no stop I've got an idea raced down to the grain shed found an awesome long narrow coffee table and the handy helper then just built up a little lip on each side of it and we put rubber matting in the middle so the girls wouldn't slip and then he built a head brace at one end of the coffee table works perfect but didn't cost me a thousand dollars didn't cost me 500 bucks i think it cost me ten dollars for the table and probably another ten to twenty dollars worth of supplies um even the rubber matting i got that from the local cafe she was throwing out rubber matting that she used to stand on in the kitchen area to reduce stress on her legs 
and it was a bit chewed up and a bit you know holy and broken and I, I was cutting it down to put it on top of this coffee table so I just said yeah I'll take it so that was a freebie um, don't forget to consider other options that'll save your cost too though things like um, having rainwater tanks even if you're in an urban environment in fact especially if you're in an urban environment in Canberra you can't build a house now without a rainwater tank attached but I know there's lots of areas around Australia where they don't insist on that um, now obviously there'd be some restrictions I know when I worked up in the cotton plantation areas in uh, mid northern New South Wales uh, because they drop massive amounts of pesticides and herbicides uh, over the um, through um, crop dusting you can't collect water off some of the roofs up there um, that might have changed but I'm looking back 25 years 25 years ago you couldn't harvest water off roof uh, roof lines because you would have been harvesting pesticides as well uh, they're a big expense up up front most of those kinds of things like rainwater harvesting solar systems biogas units um, you know septic tanks they're a big expense up front but they will reduce your cost of living later so certainly like I say with our solar batteries well they're very expensive to get the batteries if you get 10 years out of a battery if you've if you spent five thousand dollars and that would be the God, wouldn't even be at the moment with the price of batteries that we've been able to get probably four thousand to do a complete uh, solar battery set up for us here in and we're in a tiny house but it's still got four people living in it full time um, so four thousand dollars worth of batteries and we realistically should be getting 10 years out of those so if you worked that out over the years what it would cost in electricity it would be much cheaper uh, we we don't pay any water rates at all because we don't we're not on the water we we only have tank water um, but definitely allocate funds so that you can keep sinking money into a fund uh, for those kind of alternatives if you put money in each week for, for things like solar panels septic tanks water tanks batteries um, yeah you, you'll thank me later believe me <laughs> when, when you go off grid you will thank me later for that one uh, now the last thing I want to mention and this is mainly because I find that um, there are a lot of people that get very stressed about finances um, there is a national debt helpline so if you are struggling with the whole concept of financial planning and budgeting and you really are in debt and need some help um, you can reach out to them um, if you just google national debt helpline in the show notes I will have the link to it uh, they have uh, financial consultants who can give you some advice on how to get yourself out of trouble but the main thing to remember is don't go into debt to homestead um, having a mortgage is one thing but honestly you, you could spend a for, small fortune setting up a homestead and not earn a penny from it so it's really important to start slow and small and build up if you can't keep you know five to ten chickens alive for your own benefit just consider how hard it's going to be with 30 to 50 to 100 chickens trying to keep them going um, don't jump straight in until you know you can do it on a smaller scale same with making soap and things like that just have a go at making you can find a recipe online go and have a go at making one lot of soap just small batch you don't have to buy anything special for it um, once you've done that go okay well I like the soap I liked making it or no I didn't like the soap no I don't like making it yeah you'll work it out 
and also to remember that there are other homesteaders and farmers out there who you can reach out to and ask um, people like Joel Sullivan are very very upfront in his books about the cost of farming and and he discusses I think in his um pastured poultry profits book he discover he he goes through exactly what it costs him for feed for housing for water for veterinary to, to buy the birds and whether or not they're actually worth it um i love the fact that in this day and age now we are at a point where it, competition is not a thing it's not as big an issue amongst small businesses there are more than enough customers in the world for every homesteader or every person that ever wanted to homestead so these days, small businesses are more about collaboration because it's way more beneficial. Um, you know, I might be a really shitty soap maker and the lady down the road might be a fucking awesome soap maker and between us, we might be able to barter. You know, I might give her a pastured chook and she gives me a bundle of soap. It'd, it'd be awesome. But most homesteaders are not super super competitive and don't want to let you in on their secrets most of us are really happy to talk to people about it because we understand that there's never going to be more homesteaders than we need <laughs> there's always going to be somebody that does something that we don't do uh, so we're not cutthroat about it and we're happy to discuss prices and um, and costs and things like that with most people that are starting out um, if you do have any questions reach out to me you can always get me on the socials at mojo homestead or you can also get me at Not The Farmer's Wife because uh, I've got both uh, both social media handles going. Um, and I'm on, for those that might be on TikTok, go and have a look at TikTok. I've got some really awesome videos up there at the moment um, that people are really liking. Um, and remember, financial planning and budgeting for your homestead is crucial. It's absolutely, if you want to make money off it, even if you just want to homestead to save money you need to budget for it you need to be realistic but you also need to be flexible and have all your values goals everything set out so you know what you want to do anyway so that's my first week of finance months for homesteaders <laughs> i hope you've enjoyed it i hope you got something out of it if you've got any questions hit me up and uh, more than happy to answer anything you might have a query about um, and if I haven't done it already, if it's something that I've not done, then I'm happy to, to, to go and have a look and try and get some info for you. Um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, hopefully there'll be some new, new news about a new course that might be coming out. Uh, so keep in touch for that. And if you haven't already jumped onto my email mailing list for my lovely newsletters that come out each week, um, go to uh, www.mojohomestead.net and uh, in amongst there, I think if you go backslash launch, you'll be able to go to a link that will let you sign up for the newsletters. Um, so go and have a look at that and jump on our newsletter page so that I can send you a newsletter each week. Uh, don't worry, they're not huge, they're not massive. I won't bug you by sending you a million emails. It's literally just my newsletter each week, keeping you up to date on what's happening on the farm. Anyway. Until next week, have an awesome week and I'll speak to you then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed our time together. If you did, I'd be so grateful if you left me a review. I would also absolutely love it if you tagged me in your next post on your favourite socials at either Not The Farmer's Wife or Mojo Homestead. And don't forget to get your free guide to backyard chicken keeping at www.mojohomestead.net backslash seven must knows. And remember, 
grow the life you want to live. See ya.